Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeremy. And you're listening to the Death Scography Podcast, episode 50. All right. It's a big deal. We, it's we a celebration. We've hired a hype man, apparently. Yep. Brah, brah. <laughs> to get us through. No, it is a that, big deal, man. I don't know what that like, last one was. It was just... <laughs> uh, I mean, we're almost a year into doing this. This is our 50th episode. It's a big fucking deal. It is a big deal. Uh, we're covering... This episode, we're covering uh, The Beat Goes On by Blacklisted. And we were trying to get somebody big on. We're trying to get somebody, like, associated or whatever. But, you know, we just had to settle for... Uh, our friend George. George, you want to introduce yourself? Hi. <laughs> You're fucking killing me, George. <laughs> uh, that's right. Uh, uh, hi, George. Uh, you are from Blacklisted. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm George, and I played in Blacklisted. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, man. It, it really does mean a lot. I know we've been talking a little bit before this, but seriously, this is awesome. Uh yeah, listeners, like we said, we just we wanted to do something cool and something special for the 50th episode. So we got in contact with George. He agreed to come on and we're going to fucking talk about this record. But before we do, uh, uh, I fucked it all up, didn't I? I fucked you it did, all up. It's OK. Jeff, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we nice. got it. Before we do, I just wanted to briefly mention we are doing a giveaway. Oh, for yeah. 50th episode. We like to do these. Um, the big so 50. if you've been listening, you'll you'll understand these rules. We uh, basically we are going to be sharing an image on Instagram and Twitter. And all you got to do is fucking share that image and tag us. That's yep. going to give you an entry. That's all you have to do. You can do that both on Instagram and Twitter. And that's two entries. Uh, all Patreon members are automatically get two entries just into it automatically. So you could get up to four entries if you're a Patreon member. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Jeff, what what are, what are the what's the prize pack? So this is the biggest prize pack that we've ever given away on this podcast. Uh, this one uh is going to start out with eight specific different buttons from bands uh that have been on death wish in the past including two blacklisted uh buttons uh <laughs> three embroidered patches one cursed one modern life is war and one coliseum one gigantic death wish bumper sticker uh, one Deathwish slip mat for your record player, and one gigantic Deathwish initials wall flag. Yeah, that's right. So like, it's a bunch of shit. Uh, we went, we we tried to splurge for the big five zero podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't know. So, it's some so shit. You get, that I you get want, patches. So. You get yeah, exactly. Fuck, fucks. <laughs> uh, you get patches. You get patches. You get oh, there's an integrity sticker in there too. You get patches. You get stickers. You get buttons. You get a flag. You get a uh slip, slip cover a slip mat for your record player come on come on yeah so uh you know you'll see it on our social media when we post this episode just fucking share that image share it to your friends whatever you know get your friends to share it and if they don't want the stuff you get the stuff you know whatever you whatever you want to do that's how it works all, all right well, here we go <laughs> all right let's move on we have george on for god's sake he's just it's sitting true. there quiet he's so nice hey george <laughs> hey guys how are you doing man Pretty good. How you guys doing? Not bad. Good. Glad you're here. Um, where Where are you in the world? Uh, I live in Chicago. Chicago. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. You were there. So yeah. It's we're, like a, you're an hour ahead of us, behind us. Seven. It's It's eight o'clock there. Yeah. 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 Seven fifty. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We We're both like Jeff basically lives in Florida. South Georgia and I live in Florida. So it's. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. 
so we've covered we've covered blacklist before george i had reached out to you for those episodes you were gave me tons of tons of information um we covered you guys on episode 34 when we covered the we're unstoppable compilation right and then we covered you again on episode 40 with your split uh with first blood yeah which uh, was that the first dead man's hand record that third. third. That's the third. third. That's the third. third. Right. The last one, actually. Right. No, they never, it's, they never no, did it yet. It's, it's the third one. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one. The fourth one is fucking happening. This, <laughs> Fifteen this, years later, if this podcast has anything to say about it, which we don't, George, so it's and not. <laughs> and George, these were all, uh, if if my memory is correct, those two records were both released in two thousand and five. Well, well, the, on Death Wish, on, I should say. We're on, on Death Wish, yeah. 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 Right. And then, think, and then the We're Unstoppable comp, it was made up of, it was a compilation of earlier stuff, though. Right. I think I told you in the email that, that <clears throat> Our Youth is Wasted that's on that We're Unstoppable was released between like three different record labels in a year. <laughs> Damn. Or something like that. It's one yeah. way to get it out there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I know we were pretty lucky with that, you know. So yeah, I actually was, I I picked up a copy of that were unstoppable comp because it was, I I had not heard uh, some of those songs and I was, I did really enjoy it. And then the split with first blood, um, that was your, I guess your first new music with death wish. That was our first new music on death wish, but we weren't uh, at the time. It wasn't, we weren't going to be on death. uh, I can't say we weren't going to be on. We were just going to, uh, I think we were figuring it out. Maybe, uh, sure. maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, it was like a really weird, like in that time period, a, a lot of stuff happened that it's hard to like put a finger on when, what, right. Cause it was right. like a lot of member change and like what the whatever. actual timeline was. Right. Well, no, I mean, I, I know that with, with the, with the eye for an eye, nowhere USA, we went in the studio with the original lineup and we recorded those songs. And then when we got out, we started to write an LP but the LP was going to be on Stillborn, which okay. was Jamie from Hatebreeds. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Label. Not was. I think he still does it. Yeah, I think it still but, exists. But uh, there was a guy that worked at that label that was really awesome. His name was Jay Reason. He like played a huge part in Blacklisted early on, um, helping us out. And then uh, we went on a U.S. tour, uh, and it was such a, just a colossal like hell nice. <laughs> and uh the band just kind of everybody split ways mm-hmm. and then i s- stayed in contact with tim who was the bass player and then that was how the beat goes on happened we kind of right. so you guys continued on the two of you and you replaced the other the other yeah folks. i mean we were so when we did the u.s tour tim actually didn't go with us and uh he was like finishing school or so i forget what it was but so there was another band on the tour. It was Joe Hardcore's band uh, early on. Their name was Punishment. And they brought like this van. It was it was actually the old blacklisted van. Huh. And it was like a 15 passenger. And he probably bought, brought, they probably brought 18 people. Shit. Jesus was, Christ. <laughs> so, and then blacklisted had our own van where it was just us four. Right. Right. So, <laughs> um, we're blacklisted every member that's ever been in the band has always been really big on space, personal space. Yeah. It's a real thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. So especially on tour. Right. So one of the people in the punishment caravan was, um, grew up near me, but I didn't know him and he had just gotten out of the military. 
So when I, we got home from the tour, like things went separate ways. Like personally, like I couldn't get along with the guitar player. I, th- I think, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, cause I don't really know how old you are either, but at that time, hardcore was like a really, uh, it really sucked, man. It was, no. it was like a really like violent thing, but, but, it, but it, it's, it's hard to explain it. It's like a really dark period. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to play music that was like Eye for an Eye. Even when I made Eye for an Eye, I didn't really want to play. play it's it. a pretty aggressive song. Yeah. Right, 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 but 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 it, it's it's difficult to talk about. But not difficult, but it's hard to explain because it's like then why do you why did you continue doing nope. it? But I was like swept up in doing a band. But anyway, I didn't really want to play music that way, and and I think Jay kind of kind of wanted to go that way. Uh-huh. And that was Zach, that was the, the guitar player at the time. Jay, yeah, who wound up uh, in Rain Supreme. Oh, oh, and that, uh, that, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> right, exactly. Nice. And he, I actually think that the early Rain Supreme stuff, the drummer who was in Blacklisted original lineup, and him, Jay, kind of put that together. No, nice. and then Jay okay. went on his own. But um, he's an awesome guitar player, awesome songwriter. It's just I, I wasn't really didn't really want to play hardcore in that vein or be not stuck that type in, of hardcore. Yeah, in that world. Right. So yeah, so so we came home from the tour and. uh went our separate ways and I still talked to Tim and we like kind of roughly talked about doing a new band. And then also on the tour in the punishment caravan, I had met this person that grew up around me and we got to talking. And then when we, Tim and I kind of talked about maybe doing blacklisted still, I brought him up and it, that wound up being Sean who played in blacklisted on everything up until no one deserves to be here more than me. And including he played on that album as well. Wow. And, um, so Sean, you know, came in the band and he had just gotten out of the Navy and he just wanted to play music and go on tour. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to get out of Philadelphia and go on tour. So 100%, I get it. Right. It worked out. So yeah. so what you're saying is if it weren't for Joe Hardcore, Blacklist, I mean, kind of. Yeah, you know, I, I, to be honest, um, I haven't talked to Joe Hardcore in years, but if if I probably wouldn't have done a band if it wasn't him pushing me. That's funny. interesting <laughs> because we, him and I grew up to, sure. around each other. You know? Right. Right. So I knew him since I was, when I got into hardcore, when I was 12, 13 years old. So, you know, we had, we had like a long friendship and he, right. he always had mentioned it. And then, um, then I wound up starting bands and then eventually blacklisted. He booked blacklisted's first show, booked our first tour. Obviously he sings on eye for an eye. Wow. Yeah, he does. Which yeah. is a, which is a song about him. Yeah, know, which, that, which, it, it, it makes it it makes it more it makes more sense because I remember when we covered that we were like, "Holy shit, Joe Hardcore is the guest vocalist on this song." And, yeah, uh, it was surprising. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we were just like, "Oh, okay." But he has a, he has a, an awesome voice. I always thought, just not for hardcore. But if he was to <laughs> sing for like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like mm-hmm. morbid angel or something. Yeah, Joe yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. So. <laughs> Joe, Joe Metal. Oh, or, yeah, we're gonna get uh, well, he is. He is. A, he it's is true. a metalhead. He, he did it's come true. from metal and and all that. <laughs> he's a character. Um, well, mm-hmm. just while we're while we're kind of here at the beginning of Blacklist, I just wanted, to, if you wouldn't mind, just a brief like when did when did the band start? Like what year? Two thousand three. Okay, so it. You've been in a band for two years. You have the two EPs, uh, or is it what's going on? We have the we've been in a band for two years. We have the demo. That's we have right. The, the EP. 
and we have the split seven inch. That's right. right. Okay. And we so, had started writing what would have been our LP with Jay and Zach. Okay. I was, so I was, uh, I was a junior in high school. I'm 35. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be 30. I'll be 35 this year. So Jeremy's 30 and I'm 34. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so 2003, I was 13. I was <laughs> so. super, I was super into whatever TRL was telling me was, he- was I'm serious. was telling me it was heavy music, man. Right. That's, um, uh, that's all I knew. So you, I, I, you said you were starting to write this record and then obviously you came home. The band kind of went their separate ways. Did any of those songs make it onto the, the beat uh, goes on or did, was it all new stuff with Tim writing? Um, well, it's a loaded question. I'm it's sorry. not, <laughs> it's not a, it's, it's all new stuff with Tim writing, but so the thing with Jay Pepito, which is like a genius trait that he has is he had everything planned out. Like okay. blacklisted was really his band, his mm-hmm. baby, his situation. What had happened was, is before Blacklisted, us four were in another band called No Rights. Okay. That was like an early 80s style hardcore band. Sick. And Jay had joined and he started doing like Black Flag style solos at our shows, but wasn't really like learning our songs. (laughs) So he, so we were, we used to rehearse at this like punk house called fun Rama, which booked shows and stuff in the early two thousands ran by this guy named Robbie red cheeks. So, um, we started rehearse. We we were rehearsing there. No rights was rehearsing there. And, uh, Jay had these other songs. And then he was like, I want to do another, he's like, I want to do a a band. And I think I mentioned this before. We, we like called it the real band. Yep. That's right. I remember these in the uh, the emails you sent before. And Jay had two batches of songs. One was like blacklisted and one, one is what blacklisted became. And one was like super touch. And I wanted to do that. And (laughs) Jay and Zach and Tim wanted the blacklisted stuff, which was fine. But um, I still talk about, those super touch songs when I talk with Zach and Jay occasionally to this day. So, um, right. So, so it was really his baby. So he had stuff planned. So I wouldn't be surprised if he said he had an LP written mentally uh, right. cataloged, you know, but we had, I think we worked on two or three songs. And I, so the reason that I said it was a loaded question and stuff is because I, I if I remember correctly, when we first started writing the stuff, for the beat goes on. We wrote it in three weeks. Wow. The, the music got written in three weeks. Damn. Tim had never written music like that before. Right. <laughs> and, and, um, Sean had not really played drums in, I don't know. I think he played in like a band kind of in the military, like a, a metal style band with a friend of his, like just screwing around, like when they had leave or whatever, right. but he, had, he hadn't played in, in a band. I don't think he played in a real band ever in his life. Wild. Wild. Wow. So, so we got, so immediately when, or I'm, what am I skipping? Oh, I'm skipping the songs. So the first song tourist, I'm pretty sure is Tim ripping off a song that Jay proposed for the LP. (laughs) And then I think the second song wolves at my door was Tim ripping off the song, finding faith from (laughs) our, for our youth is wasted. Like I think, uh, I, I think parts of the beat goes on are like very referential towards blacklisted because Tim was kind of like finding his feet. 
And I think it it was uh, when Sean joined, and like I said, it it was full go. Like we're gonna go, we're gonna I just, tour. Right. It's it's hard. Like you say, like you're like yeah. Tim didn't know how to write music like that. Sean never played in a band before. You're like how you guys got this record is that the all those ingredients do not equate this record well ninety percent of the time. Tim knew how to write music. Right, obviously. right, right. I just, but I he just had never, mean, he had never written any. I'll say, not that this makes a difference in your songwriting, but he had never tuned his guitar lower than E. Sure. Yes. Okay. So the beat That's goes wild. on is the beat goes on is in C sharp. Right. So, or maybe I guess the early Black stuff's in D, but he, but he played bass on that. Sean probably played in bands, but they never really like gigged or anything like, sure I, like I, I think you could tell that guy has chops on this record so i, I you could definitely tell that he's been playing so well go, go so ahead. before the beat goes on we did one song that was on a comp that okay. came out on revelation records okay and the song's called divorced i don't think i've heard that song which I'll is funny up. because so when we did that song we 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 practiced at this rehearsal space and will yip actually worked the front oh desk of the place this is before wow. he was an engineer he was just in school and stuff so yeah he he worked that desk and the guy that ran the rehearsal space did recording so we just needed somewhere to go to get this song done because right, for right. me for me to be honest I, I i just wanted to be on a record that had the rev logo on it <laughs> right like that exactly. was like sure. that was like really really big for me so mm -hmm. we just like Pushed out that song "Divorce," which is honestly one of the best blacklisted tracks. And <laughs> uh, check it. I haven't heard it. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty rare. Well, it came out on a comp, but you know, I don't think we never it did might, anything. It might else be somewhere it. digitally nowadays. You know. Yeah, I could. I, mean, I could see Rev digitizing their. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they they do. They're pretty good with that stuff. So. Right. So um. So we did that song, and then we just we toured a lot before the beat goes on. And we just played the EP and demo and mm -hmm. that song and split. And then when we finally decided to write a record, we sat down. They, they, it got written in three. The music I written in three weeks. The lyrics I wrote in the studio. That's so yeah. Wild. So I was gonna. Yeah. So in, before we had uh, finalized that you were coming on this episode, we were emailing a little bit back and forth, and you mentioned that the writing the lyrics in the studio is that doesn't seem it, at least it. It didn't seem that that was applied that you normally did that. No. Well, I wrote a lot of heavier than heaven in the studio, but no, it's not. I see the thing about my issue with the beat goes on. I've been vocal about saying I dislike it. I have not listened to it until this morning oh, since okay. 2005. Wow. Son of a, son of a bitch. I feel so, very thank you for listening to it for, <laughs> well, for this episode <laughs> i mean it's part of my life you know so i, sure. I should be yeah. i i'm not person my personal self isn't very good at like holding that type of stuff in any regard like i don't own a single blacklisted record i listen to the beat goes on on a band camp that i don't even know who runs i imagine death wish <laughs> but i don't know like wow. i don't and, and you know i i Part of me wishes that I was more cautious of that stuff or not cautious, but precious about it. But I'm, I'm not like, I don't even, you're just when not. I moved, when I moved here, I gave any blacklisted records I had to some kid that I knew that, that I met that lived here in Chicago. Wow. So, um, right. So, I, so I listened to it this morning and I think musically it's awesome. I, I, I think to be honest, I think I ruin it 
If if I could no. sing on it, if I could sing on it now, it would be a better album. Yo, be, because you should do that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> because uh, we'll release I, it, George. We we have this yeah, label. We're, like, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're we're doing this thing where we like. This joke label where Deathscography only releases things that could have come out somehow on Deathwish but didn't. So <laughs> right, like, yeah, like yeah. Pictures of Gabriel, like they ended up never. They only put one song out on a comp, and they never ended up releasing a record with Deathwish, but they have a record. Mm-hmm. And we were like, "Yo, we I'll should put it out. We should <laughs> we put should it put out, out. <laughs> like like fifteen years later. A, <laughs> but, uh, a, a faux <laughs> sub label. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yes. you know when I li- when I listen to it, I I. I I was like, wow, this is really good. And I, I don't know. I felt, I, I think also that, th- that I was very swayed by opinion of not people that like blacklisted, but people around me who let's just say jo- joined blacklisted after that album, who kind of okay. like trashed it. And, uh, and uh, I was texting the, uh, the guy who played bass in blacklisted Dave. And I was like, this album is actually good. Like, like musically <laughs> it's, it's good. And, you know, I just, I, I think to go back to the studio, writing the lyrics, I had, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. I think I had one or two songs written tourist. I definitely had written, but I think if you look at my lyric style, it's like, it's, it's the word choice is very specific and it's, it's very punchy. And on this album, it's not like that. And I and it's because I didn't have time to edit. It was just right, kind of like right. You're like recording it right after writing, right? Which was my own fault, you know. But I I was I was in a weird place at the time. I I, I still wasn't sure I wanted to do the the band, you know. And I, right. I was have like I had issues at, where I, at home, and it was just a weird situation, you know. But you know, I I don't. Uh, I think I've said I regret it in the past. I, I don't regret it. I mean, it just right. is it is what it is, you know. But musically, it held up a lot better than I. I want to um, ever imagine. I want to jump in real quick, and you know, you're talking about your writing style or whatever, and your lyric style. Um, for me, when I started listening to Blacklisted, I thought that uh, I, as a vocalist and a lyricist, I picked up on like the the structure of your writing sometimes, and I was like, right. it seems like he you know, there's like rhyme schemes and stuff. And a lot of times that that's absent in a lot of the hardcore world. Right. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like when you started writing like poetry or lyrics or anything at all, prose even. And like, did you have like, did you like, were you in drama and debate in school or something? Or like, did you have some kind of thing that like led you to write or? Well, when I was <clears throat> when I was in a kid in school, grade school, I won some awards for writing short stories and stuff. But I, my first love was rap music since I was a, a kid. Uh, very, yeah, very, yeah, very, very, very first, you know, like seven, eight years old. So like right. 19, 1990, mm-hmm. you know, I was into rap music and um, I was just such a massive fan right so i think to be honest if any any the only person that ever said to me this this has to be your influence is is two of the people from the band crime and stereo i love that (laughs) i was like i was like blown away that they had picked up because no one had ever like figured it out yeah yeah and you know like through the years like there's always been jokes between like friends of mine or even people that like both bands but people have always said that i should sing for cold world 
which is like a long running thing. And, uh, and it's funny because, you know, that, we will put it out. <laughs> that is that I, I would say that that as far as writing it was my biggest influence. And on the beat goes on, it's the least right. prevalent. Right, right. I, I and, mean, you're not you're not wrong. I definitely picked up that the lyrics were a little bit different than different. even from the We're Unstoppable. It's like a well, different actually, attack I, also. I also, when we first put out Our Youth is Wasted, um, so we started playing shows, obviously, and stuff. And I, I started getting uh, a kind of attention that I didn't want. And when we, when the beat goes on, when I sat down to write the lyrics or whatever, um, I definitely made a conscious effort to to do something that could avoid that from happening like attention but also i hate to use the word like dumb it down but to make it mix with modern hardcore style Mm -hmm. and i like failed i think i said that in the email to you that that i i feel like i failed at a couple points in this album on my behalf you know and after listening to it this morning it, it really I feel like it really showed because I feel like I'm really right about that. But um, yeah. So like, as far as lyric writing, I was, I was a massive fan of rap music. My whole, I love that. It makes, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Like when you say that, like the, like the, the intention behind rhyme. I mean, I do, there's stuff, a, like, like when it got to the later stuff, after the beat goes on is when I was like, all right, I'm never going to dumb myself down or anything. And I became really, that's why like to me piece the piece on earth seven inches the best because i had that written before the studio lyrically it was it was it was tailored specific and it, every word mean, mm-hmm. means something and uh right i at that point i got really into i would know a song was done by the way it looked when i wrote it like how it looked on the page if it looked like a certain way of, like cleanliness or something like that you know uh-huh right um and, and then for that, you know, that character, I mean, we could talk about that if I come on, when I come on for the other albums, if you guys want. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. that's a future right, episode, right. but yeah. Yeah. But so, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. so the beat goes on, you know, yeah, I wrote, I wrote a lot of it and I wrote a good 85% in the studio. You said, so you had, um, uh, tourists done beforehand. Was that like, like some trying to think of how to phrase that it honestly it's one of my favorite songs on the record um and honestly one of my favorite lines i that song really like hit for me when i was because i always like to read the lyrics along while listening to the music so i can get a better understanding like especially for these podcasts uh i really like the line i put my life on a shelf while everyone around me found happiness and wealth and it just me and jeff are also both in a band and we've done a lot of touring and stuff and it's just always like i don't know just like it was cool to see you write about the same things I feel like I've experienced. That even, song in even particular, stu- even stuff that we've written about. I mean, that's what, yes, that's what balance is about. Like it's a song that we wrote probably five years ago, and it's the same kind of thing. Like watching everybody else, like all the pieces click into place, and you're just like, "I'm doing this band." Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think with that song is it's something that I struggled with even before I was in a band, which was I I have like a um I have a I have a problem connecting with people in life. And I think mm-hmm. I also have an aversion to it. Like I said, when, when people started liking me or because I think they had some idea in their head and I, I wasn't, I'm not like very good at that, at that type of stuff. Like I'm not like, a, right. Um, 
Right. So, so um, that song I think is about, it could even be about for me not being a musician and being gone, but, I, but right. the fact is, is we were gone like eight months out of the right. year, nine months out of the year. Like mm-hmm. one tour we did was like eight weeks straight in the U S with no days off. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So, so Taurus was, I had written and I had compiled. So the way that I go about it is I, I write in my head and then I I'll write it down, but okay. I go through for this. I didn't, but after that stuff, I go through like a, a long, like editing process. Like I don't really write as much as I edit. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the okay. writing I create in my in my head, like I, I write songs all day in my head, whether it's a guitar riff or lyrics. And uh, so when it comes time to put it down, it's easy. So I guess also is saying I wrote it in the studio. I'm like not giving myself as much credit. I, I had a bolt. I had it. You put it on paper. In right. The studio. Yeah. Gotcha. You, you, didn't see, have enough, you didn't have as much time to edit. Right. Which is which is the thing gotcha. that has helped me seem semi good at this is the editing editing is where i is where i flourish i i super uh i i totally feel that um because you know for the first several years of me being in bands and and metal bands and then punk bands like i just kind of wrote the words and then they were done but dude like i mean editing is like you, like, like you joked and said that, you know, I maybe seem kind of good at this dude. Like you editing is such an important part of writing in general that like, I think it's maybe the most important part of writing. Well, like, it, it is, it is. It, it just, it just, it just polishes everything and, and, you know, makes it into the, the specific thing. Well, it's like, you know, if, if the you, di- the diamond in the rough, if you read someone like Raymond Carver, for example, the biggest thing, I mean, it's it's debated in like academic circles, but I believe it to be true. But the biggest thing that was a gift to Raymond Carver, who's one of the greatest short story writers ever, is he had an editor who was brutal named Gordon Lish. <laughs> and Lish, it's almost like Lish wrote this. Like Carver would send him stories that say were 300 words and Gordon Lish would edit it down to 20 words. Wow. You know, so, so wow. it's, it's like, a, it's, you know, and it, you know, I, like I said, in academic circles, like not that I'm in any academic circle, but Gordon Lish gets, you know, doesn't kind of get the credit right. he deserves. And an editor is just as important or editing, you know, if you're a self editor or you have an editor, whatever it's, yeah. it's important because yeah. e- I think it's even good. the most unegotistical people still have an ego that they don't want to let go. I have, I honestly feel confident in saying I I have zero ego and there was stuff that I could have let go on the beat goes on that I didn't. And I just like kept it, but it wasn't even an editing issue. It was just like, no, this is what it is. All right, go ahead. Whereas if I had time to edit, I would have edited my ego in that moment, not even the writing aspect, you know, not to intellectualize too much on hardcore jeremy and i i think that jeremy and i are very fortunate to have met each other so long ago and stuck together for so long because we're kind of each other's editors on on music and writing but also like ideas like like you know so 
like anybody in the world I can bounce something off of, it's Jeremy. Cause like, if it's the worst idea ever, he'll be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. He won't hesitate. You know, he'll be like, be like uh, 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 and I'll be not. like, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Oh uh, uh, man. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, so you're recording this record. I, when I was looking up stuff, um, you recorded it with, uh, uh, Jim's, is it? Wow. I, I'm the worst at pronouncing last name. Seigel? Jim Siegel at the outpost. Siegel. Had- okay. Yeah. The outpost. He, um, Jeff, last episode, we actually talked about him. He, he, re- he recorded some of those converge songs we talked mm-hmm. about, but he's done converge down to nothing. Have heart, the suicide file, majority rule, American nightmare, tons of stuff. Yeah, all blood over for the place. blood, which is the main uh, reason we went there. I was going to ask, what is the reason you was, went to him? Blood That's, for blood. That's I think awesome. because I think <laughs> I, I love the, the first blood for blood LP. Uh, spit my last mm-hmm. breath. And I think when Blacklist had started with the original lineup, I mentioned this to you before, maybe you said it on the show, I don't know. But we were like, okay, we got to record. How do we find this place? So I knew Tim from American Nightmare and I asked him where they recorded and he told me the outpost. Mm-hmm. It was like difficult to find info on. Um, I remember, I right, remember this now, yeah. But you're, He you're got fine, me a contact and, and we went there because we're like, all right, blacklisted. It's probably somewhere between Blood for Blood and American Nightmare. <laughs> so, you know, we went there. And, you know, at the time, it's it's funny because in that era of music, sans amps were so prevalent for bass and Mesa mm-hmm. heads and cabs were so prevalent. And I feel like- Dude, it was everywhere. Right, and I feel like Outpost had such a strong thing of that because I'm pretty sure that's what, I'm pretty sure Rob Lynn from Blood for Blood used mesa stuff and that's what he used so, and yeah. <laughs> you know a sans amp was just so common that uh, whether they mm-hmm. I, i'm sure jim siegel was using that but so yeah so he his studio was in stoughton massachusetts outside of boston and uh he was just this like guy who was like an engineer he 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 worked on uh some dropkick murphy stuff he was friends with those guys he worked on some stuff there's this big like kind of metalish band from boss i forget their name he worked on their stuff but yeah just like a weird studio guy so we we went there because of those records those band those gotcha. bands or whatever and uh yeah i don't know if no that's cool um i i'm just always curious about that stuff because it's like um so many bands get wrapped up like like this guy obviously has a ton of credits on hardcore and so he kind of kind of helped define a, a type of sound. We talk about Kurt Ballou quite often on the on this podcast because he he a lot of Deathwish bands go to him. I don't know, Blacklist, it just especially on this record, um, your sound stands out from a lot of the other more traditional hardcore bands that Deathwish released early on. And I think a lot of it probably has to do with the production that that Jim did. It, the tone, the guitar tones and the bass tones on this fucking album sound I think so funny phenomenal. because that's such a and thing the drum. that's been, uh, yeah. Railed. <laughs> I think I, I mentioned it. in your thing. I thought thi- it was really good. So, yeah, the, you, you mentioned like muddy, muddiness. There's, there's clarity to it, but there's definitely um, like some, there's a, it's a weird mid thing that I hear. And I, I told you at the time, which, you know, we were on tour a lot before we wrote that album and we listened to a lot of Entombed and and yeah. when I listened to the record this morning, I, I could nice. kind of hear the entombedness of it, which is weird. Um, and I don't think anyone else would pick up on it, but I I guess I knew 
kind of where Tim was coming from because I was in the band, you know, but. Well, it, it might have it might have connected that memory too, where it's like, oh man, this is when we were. Well, and there to a and there was a guy at the time like, we uh, couldn't find a bass player. Like <laughs> Tim played bass on that album and guitar, and uh, mm-hmm. one guy that would fill in for us a lot that I wanted to be in Blacklisted actually was just like this guy Chris that I knew that um, mm-hmm. again was from near where I where I lived in the city. So he was awesome. He was just like a death metal guy. So. When he would be driving, he would listen to a lot of death metal stuff. But Tim wasn't into that. Besides Entombed, and I think for Tim, like Tim's Entombed was like the Uprising LP, which is more like the death rock style sure. and roll style. Um, yeah, and I think there's parts yeah. of that on there, you know. But so so not to detour too much, but I I just looked up giant, like big metal bands from Boston because I was wondering who that guy did some work for. And surely it has to be one of okay. these five. <laughs> Roll them out. What is it? All right. I'll start with five. Number f- five. No. Extreme. Number four. Power no. Man 5000. He, oh, he actually did do some Power Man 5000 stuff, I think. But it's not oh, that. Yes. It's not I that. I fucking love it. It's not that. No, because they're not, not big, big in, in, in the sense of like countrywide. They're like big like Massachusetts style area. Like, so, you know, when later on, when Blacklisted recorded with Kurt, which I always wanted to go to Kurt, um, when Blacks recorded with Kurt, uh a big reason that we went was because he, when we wrote Peace on Earth, he knew what only loving, only living witness was. So Mm -hmm. that was like a band that was big in the Massachusetts area, but they weren't too big other places. Like they went right. to Europe and stuff, but you know, right. and then later on they became big and hardcore again in the t- 2010 say, but, um, right. and, you know, I, we, we, it was just like that reference that like Kurt could get, you know, it's good to have that sometimes. Sure. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> yeah. You I got actually it. watched a, a thing, yeah. a video of him, um, talking about gear he owns and he's, he's showing one of his guitars and he's playing an only living witness riff in the, in the video. <laughs> that's was, awesome was it isis <laughs> no <laughs> was it godsmack he he, he did <laughs> i think he worked fuck? some stuff either he worked on some stuff from godsmack or he he had just had like a, a sully godsmack story like the way everybody in massachusetts has like right. an arrow uh, story right. or a dropkick murphy story now, i was gonna say and number one yeah, is no, no, they're like a, they're more like a <laughs> of course like a local big yeah a local big that he would always right. reference gotcha. I see, I see. like to us but we didn't know yeah, yeah. who it was i think i think i like asked jake and jake's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. but they're just like here like it's not like i he, <laughs> i want to say their name's like warhorse or something like that i've mm. heard of a band called warhorse yeah, i don't I, know. I wonder he, <laughs> uh no <laughs> um all right well to get oh, us back sorry, on yeah, track yeah. a little bit <laughs> <laughs> no 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 it's fine oh no this, it was me don't worry this podcast it's fine <laughs> it's fine um earlier on we were talking about how you had not planned to stay with death wish not that you were planning not to but like how did like why did you guys because you you did all of your right, lps yeah. with them like was it just like you felt the connection early on and you're like 
I like this and we're going to stick with it. Like what, 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 what was uh, going on? I think something happened at stillborn. Like they changed over some stuff and it, it kind of, uh, it didn't really feel that good. I, I, I want to say that the guy, Jay reason who was behind us being on, and like I said, was a mm-hmm. big part of early on blacklisted. He was leaving. So right, we okay. were like, what okay. the hell would we stay here for? Right, right. He was he was the only connect you had there that, you know, anchor, yeah, it's anch- not like anchored I, you there. Yeah, like I met Jamie Hapier, but it's not like he was like my friend or, sure, or anything. Yeah, right. So my thing has always been, I don't like to work with people or do stuff with people if I'm, if if I like wouldn't let them like sleep over my house or something. Right, okay. So like, you know, it's like a weird, th- I just have, like I said, I have trouble connecting with people. So once I do, then it's like, okay, we can do this. Absolutely. You know? No, I absolutely get it. That's what so, I was wondering. Right. So what happened with Death Wish was the band was on the rocks. It was kind of just me at this point. And it was like, people were like, are you going to do the band? Or are you not going to do the band? I would talk to Tim, but I, Tim was in college and he was married. So I don't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to put it to him. Like, you want to do this? Right. And so for me, I was like, shit, I, like, I don't know what to do. So he had kept in contact with the people at Death Wish. And I think I talked to one of them and we were just like talking, but it was just like through like aim or whatever. Like, cause I had met some of the people at Death Wish before I was in a band, just like at shows and, right. and stuff like that. And uh, would bump into them and hi. So, so they were aware of Blacklisted because of me you mm-hmm. know sure. so um i think maybe tim initiated the conversation or they were like well what are you going to do and he's like i don't know and they're like well we'll do an lp nice. or we'll wow. do your next record i don't i don't think right, right, i don't right, think right. it was specifically an, an lp and i was like yeah man i'm sold you know yeah. a big thing for me was I, I just wanted to feel like i was part of something that meant something for sure and to me like I guess like to have like a comparative thing, like bridge nine meant like nothing to me. Like that, it wasn't okay. anything that I felt comfortable. Like I, I didn't feel comfortable, not the people that ran the label, but people that were into that label mm-hmm. bands on that label. Like I didn't want to, I didn't really care to be around them or be peers with them right. or whatever. I, I didn't like them. Like not that I didn't like them. I don't know. It's hard to, I didn't want to, I didn't like them. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I didn't okay. feel, I, I didn't feel comfortable. And then with death wish, I felt comfortable and I, I felt part yeah. of a community, mm-hmm. which had car- which has carried on still to this day, even though Blacklisted's not a band, but like, I, um, I immediately felt like it, it meant something more. It, it was like a, it had like a feeling to it. And I'm aware that Blacklisted helped shape that feeling, mm-hmm. sure. you know, in the coming time. But um, at the time I, I even felt that way, you know, I always really respected Converge and, and the musicians in the band. And um, so it was like a kind of like a no, no brainer. No, absolutely. Know? I mean, like isn't something- it, isn't it crazy when you find that in a, like in our experience, like, like what you're saying right now, totally like hits notes with me. Like we're uh, we put our record through eulogy records and like okay. the whole dude, the whole time I was just like, I don't, I don't know why we're doing this. Like, I don't, I don't jive with this. We don't feel comfortable. We're not, we're not friends with this person that runs this late. Like, you know, it's, it was that kind of thing. And like, 
And at the end, I was kind of super unfulfilled by the whole thing. And I was just like, Mm-mm, never. Well, at the, at the time when when I don't want to say Stillborn was falling apart. But right. Whatever, whatever happened with our connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he just went and got an, a, a regular job. Right. I, sure. I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> but we had a couple labels offer us stuff. Right. And uh, it just didn't. I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't feel right. Because like, I, I mean, it's hard for me to like. I don't know. It just was weird. No, totally. I, I was I was absolutely the hang up, you know. Mm-hmm. So w- when the Death Wish thing came, it, I was also the decision of like, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do this. I definitely was, I definitely know. wish that in my in my history there had been people who were a hang up, you know, like because like <laughs> we all kind of just did it a couple times on a couple records, and then like we're all like, God damn it, what was that? Why? Why? Right. Well, I mean, I definitely look back on stuff that we did that I, I'm like, I wish I didn't do this but right it is what it is you know yeah it just is i I don't i think when you're in a band you make so many immediate decisions absolutely you know no one's thinking like like i didn't i I didn't for a second think that 16 years later i would be talking about the beat goes on (laughs) right i legit thought we were going to put it out maybe go to europe and, and then come home and I would start a new band. <clears throat> I was always going to do music. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly did not think I would do Blacklisted this that long. And I, and I think it shows in, in the so many different, this is done, this is not done, this is done. Because I was like, how much longer can I do this? All right, sure. we're, right. gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to dead this now. <laughs> oh, you want to go, you want to go here? Oh, I got some songs or, or right, you know, right, it was right, weird, right, but, right. Right. So I felt like a community at, at Death Wish and, mm-hmm. and uh, I still, you know, feel that I, I feel that to this day. I'm like, that's the thing I'm putting out records on Death Wish is the thing I'm most grateful for that Blacks was able to do. Besides, I was eight personally, I was able to connect with so many people on a level that like. Yeah. Not hard. Many hardcore people and, get to say they did. Uh, Harm Wolf also has continued to release with Death Wish. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's that. That I um I just demoed that and Joe Hardcore actually hit up Trey. I was like, you know, he has this project and Trey's like, what? And I sent it to him and Jake and Trey was They were like, You've been holding out on us. You've been holding out on us, George. No, I actually I actually wish that they were like, Hey, let's re-record this because (laughs) I I was uh I was really that it didn't turn out how I wanted to. Jake in particular has always been a a champion of me as an artist. Like he's always been very like, you know pushing not pushing but behind you, know, you in your corner supportive yeah he's always been supportive of of me um and he's always like kind of like in in my life where maybe other people definitely were like you're crazy we're done with you like that whole dismissive mm-hmm. thing jake has always been understanding and spoke to me and and uh he's he's been great and you know like i said I, i'm it, the one thing besides my like the way i connected with other people is death wish was being part of it because it, it really means something to me and it's like a it's bigger than just kind of like a hardcore label oh yeah no absolutely it's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast um right. we've heard that a lot from a lot of the people we've talked to it's like death Wish is like more than just this label um well just like <clears throat> like you said this at the, uh, earlier where you 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 hadn't listened to this record in a while but you look back and you're like oh it's a pretty good record when the record came out, like, was there like, 
a like did people like it did people like because like i'm just i'm basically it's like because you had the the seven inches you had the demo you had the split but this was your first lp this is the first this is blacklisted full length like was there a big wave of support for your band or what like uh, what what happened when it came out to be honest blacklisted was already pretty um pretty known at, at that point so it wasn't like a gotcha. wave I think people were curious because Jay wasn't there and Zach was weren't there and they, they were such big mm, sure. big parts. And I, I think anybody that was in the know I think it was always looked at as my band. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. the one they can't do it without, et cetera, et cetera. It right. really was Jay's band and Zach. Me and Tim were just right. the got the people. And then, you know, mm -hmm. just because of whatever it, it kind of became my thing and then by the time the beat goes on it was like oh well jay's not here so it people were curious about it but they were also willing mm -hmm. i think because it blacklisted had built enough at the time that it was i was th that which is another reason it's, gotcha. it's hard to talk about blacklisted for me personally because it's like it's so much me versus a band, sure. you know, like I, I right. hate to say it, but I could get up there and play with whoever and it, people would, no one would be like, right. oh, the bass player is not there. Get this out of here. Right. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, right. Here. Yeah. So, which sucks, but it is what it is. But so, it is so it is. they, so people were curious about it and they checked it out and mm -hmm. I don't remember there being anything bad said about it. Um, okay. I, and we immediately we're on the road. We legit got the album uh I the I can tell you the last time I listened to the album. The last time I listened to the <laughs> okay. album was when Blacklisted started an 8 week tour. It started at a Posse Numbers Fest that got shut down and I yeah, I played yeah. it for Todd Jones. Oh well, <laughs> who played in Terror and Nails, and he played in Blacklisted yeah. actually for a little too. Who you know is a really good friend of mine. I played it to him, and that was the last time I ever listened to it until this morning. Wow, and that was in two thousand five. So, so you were like super bummed, like as soon as it came out. No, no, like no. As soon as you got it back, you were like, uh, uh. No, I just think that at the time for me personally, this doesn't speak for the band. Blacklisted right. was just my way of of uh not to get too deep on your podcast but it was my way to run away from get as get as deep as you want it was my way to run away from just uh -huh. everything and and it was an escape and it was that for a long time like until it ended it was never you know not that but to me it was like the nightmare of like looking at at my upbringing and the people that i was around and seeing what they were getting into and seeing what my other people close to me were getting into, it was like, oh, well, I could do this, but I could go to California for two weeks or I could, yeah, go to, you know, so absolutely. it was like a, it was like a really like, you know, I, I quit college and then it was just like, I think I'm a musician. <laughs> let's see <laughs> then. Let's yeah. do it. Let's explore this path. Right. Yep. So, so, so to me, I, I, like I, I'm like an unreliable narrator as far as some <laughs> stuff goes because it it meant such a different thing to me 
you know? But I think the one part I yeah. failed with the beat goes on is I ran away from connecting to people, which was always a thing in my brain for Blacklisted. Mm-hmm. Even the the most personal stuff in Blacklisted's lyrics that are that are like off-putting or oh cringy or whatever, mm-hmm. that stuff gets the most connection. Like, oh, right. like to people that have, e- I mean, I still get emails and, and stuff, you know, people, um, yeah, it connects with them. So, I mean, if, mm. you know, like there's something to be said, I mean, there's a lot to be said for, for genuineness to be, to be seen through lyrics or, or music in general and people, people, you know, that's what, that's what people connect. To. I think that, I think music being genuine came about after the beat goes on. Like I said, the beat goes on. Also for me, I have to like enable to, for me to be able to look at it, I have to look at it very mm-hmm. critically. It has to be cold. Okay, it sure. has to be critical. So, gotcha. so yeah. to me, the music was though. Now I listen to it today and I think it's good and I, I like it. It was very this is going to keep us afloat. This is going to be, right. we're going to, because the, this is going to pay the bills. Well, not, yeah, well, it didn't, it didn't, it it's going to keep the band well, going. Yeah, and I, and I think at that time frame in hardcore, like I said, it was a har- absolutely horrible time. There was mm-hmm. all this like weird gang stuff going on that we were associated with because, because we were friends with a lot of those people, but never right. affiliated with their gang. But mm-hmm. sure. I mean, you know, whatever. But so, um, Right. It was, it was, uh, it was just a weird time. And Blacklisted was one of the early bands that were like, we're doing this full time. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to play as much you want us to play here. We'll go, we'll go, we'll come to Florida eight times in a three month span. Like we'll (laughs) go, you know, to wherever, wherever, wherever people wanted us to go, we, we went. And, uh, that was like a big thing. And I think the beat goes on was kind of written with that, in the main, the mainframe of where we're, we're sure. going to do this. And we like this music, but we're also presenting it to kind of fit a thing. Right. But it does stand out in the era. So it's like weird that, that it worked that way. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, it's like you were trying to fit this thing. And even though you were trying to do that, it still didn't work. I think, uh, I, I, still, but, but in a positive well, way. Yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. but I also think that at the time it was when like the whole, like, uh, dramatic style hardcore was about to kick off. So bands like verse and have hard and modern life is war and things like that. Right. were bubbling and blacklisted was a lot different than that, even though a lot could be said about us being dramatic as as well. It just, right. It wasn't the, it was a different type of drama. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cool. (laughs) Different type of drama. Um, All right. Well, uh, one last one last thing I, I definitely just real quick wanted to talk about was the uh, the artwork. I know in your email you weren't sure uh, who did it. I really like this artwork. Um, I think it's a really cool. It, it looks like a like a painting. I'm not sure if it is. Maybe it's a digital piece. Um, but I look. I did find through some weird you know Wikipedia page that Todd Browtrude did it, and you were right when he worked. You said in the email that. Uh, uh, Jake hired a design group to do burlesque it and design. he worked for this cup burlesque. Right. He worked for burlesque design. Um, I think it's really cool artwork, but, uh, it, w- it honestly surprised me that Jake didn't do it himself. Yeah. I don't know. I, 
he does a lot of these Death Wish releases. Yeah, but Jake's always been a champion of other artists too. So maybe he was, mm-hmm. I don't know what the, his connection with them was, but he always tries to get other people to showcase if they can, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I just... I saw that. It's, I, I love that in the past, uh, I don't know how long it's been happening, but I, I realized that uh, Death Wish like, has prints of artists that they handle also. Right. So like... Oh, yeah, through so their like, distro, yeah. Yeah, through their distro. And that, I think that that's so fucking cool that they, like like you said, showcase artists like... Yeah. It's not it's a label but it's not just a label like we're also doing this other stuff. Right. But I mean I think I think as far as Deathwish goes, you know, Jake is a, is obviously an artist and Trey was a is was I don't I'm not sure a collector. So it, it just mm-hmm. makes sense to sell these other things that are part yeah. of collecting and and all that. Nice. But yeah, so Bur- Burlesque did it. I know there was something wrong with the covers. Like I think I think they were supposed to be glossy and they got printed matte or something, so it looks like mm. pretty dark. Or whatever. Mm, gotcha. Right. Well, it, at least the digital version, I think it looks it looks really cool, and I, I do have a one of the vinyl versions as well. But um, well, I mean, let's uh, uh let let's talk about some of these songs. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and maybe it's a little weird, but like, what's your jam? If you had to pick one on this record, like, what's the one where you're like that song is the one that I like the most? Probably tourist. Tourist. Yeah, it's a great song. Most likely. I think it's the, I think it's the best one. <clears throat> I think, I think for me, man, I really like what's wrong with George. Like that fucking riff at the beginning is just like punishing. Yeah. It just oh, it's comes, super it heavy. Just, just yeah. comes out, just comes out of the gate. And it's just like immediately like, you know, driving in my Kia soul. I was like, <laughs> Oh shit. That kind of has, <laughs> an, I think that one's one of the ones that has like an entombed feel at the beginning with like a, mm. it has like yeah. a steady kick kind of with it. If I remember, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, um, there's, there's one later. Oh shit. I can't remember the name of it, but 100%. I was like, this could be the beginning to an Alice in Chains song. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like this, um, the guitar just like, kind of like, um, just stays there and i was like oh shit is he gonna say Um, nope it's a hardcore song which is weird because i would say i would if i had to bet i would say tim never listened to alice in chains but the drummer (laughs) sean is a massive alice in chains fan so so i don't maybe Um, he was his direction i really liked uh song nine which is how quickly we forget again Mm -hmm. it has this really cool heavy bass intro that really showcases like i said i really like the tones on this record a lot um and this is like i have just a couple notes i was like this record is heavier than your earlier work obviously we talked about how you guys were like down tuning and also but one thing i did want to ask about is your vocals seem to be more like also lower like they're like not as high pitched as they are on the earlier so is it were you trying to match the lower guitars or was it just like a natural like that's just how no i think i was i think i was trying to match the guitars yeah i i thought i thought so i just wanted because to there's, ask. it definitely felt very yeah lower. but there's there's point there's a couple points where my voice fizzles out on it because i'm trying to like stay in that register but my mm-hmm. you know i have a low voice kind of but it's like I don't know. It just, I couldn't do it, but there's like these whiny parts that actually wound up sounding cool where like I trail oh, yeah. off and it kind of sounds like I'm tired or something. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, I, I think, that. I think I was just trying to match the guitars, which is a regret I have. I wish that that wasn't the case, you know, right. because no one wants to do the, you know, vocals. Like I didn't want to do vocals like that. You know, 
Right. No, totally. <laughs> um, I did have one uh, question about the last song on the record, Mother Teresa. It's the instrumental right. song. Uh, that surprised me to have an instrumental song, at, at least on this kind of a hardcore record. Um, and it's also the longest song on the record. Uh, was that it? Like, basically, I, I know this is kind of a weird question, but especially, but like in this day and age, the difference between an EP and an LP doesn't really matter because you have digital and nothing matters. But like, it almost kind of feels like maybe this song was like, well, we need one more song to make this an LP. Yeah, we did. So let's write this longer mother, like instrumental song and kind of put it on. Not that it's a bad song. I like the song. No, we, we, it just feels very we, different. Um, we um, needed another song, I think. I think we were trying to follow the protocol of what makes an LP. And right. Tim had that part, that song. And I, I was yeah. like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't want it to be. I, I don't want to write another song, whatever. And someone very close to me passed away. So I was like, we're just going to name it this. This is after this person. And then that was it. Like th yeah. when that person passed away. We, we were on tour. We came back, recorded the album and I, right before. I was like, yeah, sure. we're, we're just going to name it this in memory, like for me personally of this person. And then right. um, that was that. I think it's a good, I think it's a good song. I think, I think. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was just, I was just curious because definitely, you know, 15 years ago, you had like to be an LP, you have to meet certain criteria, I guess. You I don't think I mean? we like, were, I don't think we were, I don't think we were told. We, we definitely hundred percent. That's what just never told us to do anything. So <laughs> nice. Um, it was definitely a, our, our choice. And I think Tim was, if I remember Tim was kind of a stickler for like, let's make it an LP. Like, if we're going to do this. Sure. And it, but it was only off by like maybe a minute or two or something like that. Mm. You know, <laughs> Well, it, it's a cool song. I was just very curious because it is a longer instrumental song right at the very end. Yeah, but I know you I, you liked when I told you that the, a part in Eye for an Eye was ripped off of Audio Slave. So, yeah. <laughs> so in, in the song, uh, in the song, I Refuse, the beginning is a rip off of a cave-in song called Dark Driving. Damn, that's musically. sick. <laughs> so, oh, which shit. Tim uh, was I, like a huge cave-in guy. And I think I mentioned to you that a lot of people said the album sounded like Turmoil and Buried Alive. Yeah. I, but I never heard Turmoil, um, but I was a fan of Buried Alive. Um, Tim liked those bands, though, so I, I think that is real. Interesting. Sure. sure. You know. Buried, Alive is, I, I, that, Buried Alive is the band that uh, Scott Vogel was in before. Yeah, right. Terror. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's right. They put out a, like a two-song seven-inch last year. Right. Actually. Well, yeah. Before, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. before yes. and currently. Right. Yeah, yeah, Um. I will say that that song, I refuse. I really did. That song is the song that made me realize your drummer. Like, I was like, this guy has like metal chops, <laughs> like this, like crazy cool drum fill intro. I was like, this is pretty fucking good. And then there was also a line in that song I really liked. It was it, it's the 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 beat goes on long after we're gone. I just really liked um, like you don't have a song uh, called the beat goes on, but this is where the album title gets pulled from. Yeah. I really like that a lot. I think that's really cool. It's like a, a little bit more. Well, subtle, I, I you know? wrote the line to fit the. I knew the album title was going to be called that. I okay. wrote that okay, line nice. around the, the thing. The lyrics are well, are are, the lyrics are written. About, the same. It's not a. It's the lyrics are written about, the same thing. Which okay. is my relationship, with this person that I'm related to. 
And from okay. there, the album is is themed around that. And it's I think it's another reason that I, I feel disappointed in it because I like I said, I composed it in my head and then I had it, but I just didn't have enough time to really nail it down. Right. You know? But gotcha. so the lyrics are, you know, go ahead. Sorry. I could see how that could be a bummer too. Cause like it exists correctly in your head. Right. Yeah. You know, and like, but then you, you also then listen to it and it exists that way in your head. Right. So like both of them are in your head and you're like, Oh shit, you could have been this. <laughs> yeah. Like for the last that, I could see uh, how that could... 16 years I've been living with it. Yeah. You yeah. I could see this. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, um, this fucking redux, this redux of this record. Yeah. So, so when I, when I was, when we started talking about the LP and I started trying to create stuff in my head, I, I was like, I want this to be a theme, but I don't want it to be a, but I also don't want it. I don't want it that to be a thing. Right. Like, but I, but I do want it to be a theme. I wanted it to be continuous about this really, you know, it, it's, it's not a concept record where there's a story throughout every song, but it is all connected. All the thematic. You know, relative and yeah, me yeah. and right, 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 and my whole situation of like mm -hmm. whatever. So yeah, so um, that's kind of what it is. But so yeah, so so I refuse rips off dark driving by cave by cave. <laughs> uh, nice. Wolves at my door is pretty much a rip off of the song Finding Faith by Blacklisted. <laughs> if you look at it structurally, it's just about the same. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that after we get done here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think uh um so one thing from rap music that I've always tried to do is sample. So I've always tried to take like a line from a from a lyric that I really liked and implement it into a blacklisted lyric. Sometimes mm -hmm. I I write it a different way, but sometimes I most of the time I write it a different way. On the beat goes on, I don't write it a different way. On the song coming clean there's an into another lyric that i, I okay. forget what it is but it's like Fuck. uh ah oh man I, I forget what it is but there, there's an into another lyric on it and it's uh I, and then i write it's two the song's only two lines i think is it coming yeah, clean yeah, that yeah. the song's like two lines I, i'm pretty sure yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah right so the one line is into another lyric and then one line is a lyric I wrote to look like an into the like to match the the wordplay of it. That's wild. Um, right. So that yeah, coming. That's really cool. That's a really cool. Yeah, well, I try. Jeff, do you have the lyrics pulled up? I'm pulling them up now. Uh, the coming clean's lyrics are in my defense. I've only ever lied in self defense. In a sense, I've only ever lost my innocence. I'm coming clean. I think I I That's think right. I only ever lied in self defense is into another. And then the... <laughs> it's like a fucking internet puzzle, right? Yeah, happening no, I mean, right no, now. No, like... I, no one's ever said it. This is the first time right. that I've ever. Well, said now it. it's been said. Now Holy it's in the shit. history books. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, um, it's always been like a thing that I've tried to do. You know, because there was definitely people that I that I was influenced by as a lyricist that, you know, don't get as much shine music from the musical. Like I can say this ripped off. Uh, Kevin, you know, right. whatever. But right. so there's definitely lyric uh, moments where I've done that as well. That's awesome. No, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. George, we're so excited to have you here with us. This has been so fucking cool. <laughs> um, I think I, yeah, I'm having a blast. I think we're going to we're going to wrap up from the record, move on to a couple of our 
uh, our other segments that do you guys do you guys to want to hear a story to... about when we were in the studio? One hundred percent. Let's do it. Let's hit it. So you know how um, Blood for Blood recorded there. So Rob yes. Lind also recorded the Ramallah stuff there as well. So when we were doing okay. the Beacos yeah. on, I think he was either doing or had just gotten done what became their album Kill a Celebrity. Okay. So uh, above the studio is a, a room that you can hang out, eat food, whatever. So there's this right, book sure. in there that's his notebook, obviously for the album. So we we're looking through it, and there's like all these of like course. these notes that are like you know look up Malcolm X quote, look up this, look up that, like just referential stuff. He's uh -huh. he he's one of the more creative people that have come out of of hardcore. And uh, yeah. he has a list of singers he wants to get on the album. Nice. I hope no one gets offended by this. But so it says Jake. It says Jake <laughs> from Converge. It says, uh, okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ian Larrabee from Reach the Sky. And then it just says, okay. that dude from Bane. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I gotta oh, get that, that guy. Dude. What's that dude? That dude from Bane. Just like yeah. this guy from Bane. That's like one of the people that's on the cover of Break Down the Walls by Youth of Today, and has been in hardcore since the '80s. And yeah, that dude. Just you know, that some guy. But, I, but it's always I always laugh when I think about it. It's just like that. Dude. That's a really. That's amazing. Yeah. Damn. That's a <laughs> all right uh hell yeah <laughs> that's really funny okay um yeah so let's we're gonna we're gonna um we're gonna move on uh just before we hit uh our normal sections i wanted to real quick right before we got on the podcast george we were just talking about this how uh i saw on twitter you t retweeted uh will yip uh is doing a raffle uh, and i wanted to let our listeners know about this because uh, he's doing a raffle that it benefits the Asian American and Pacific Islander Community Fund. Hell yeah! After the that terrible, terrible uh, shooting in Atlanta, and also the 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 terrible acts of violence across this country uh, towards Asian American people. Um, so we will link it in the description. But it is a crazy raffle. Basically, it's three different raffles. I've I've entered myself. Uh, each one comes with a guitar a custom pair of vans, and then about six or seven different packages from different bands per raffle. So raffle one has a Circus Survive package, a Turnstile package, a Tiger's Jaw package, Crazy. a Nothing package. Raffle two has a Title Fight package, a Code Orange package. And then raffle three has a lot of Spew package, a, a you know, Japanese breakfast package. Just like huge huge things and they they've already raised a ton of money uh according to the website forty two thousand dollars as of right this second um That's crazy. so please please donate if you can it's like i think it's 25 bucks for three entries or something like that jump so, in uh, jump in y'all i mean why would you not exactly and we you know just wanted to link that um also real quick uh jeff you want to talk let's talk about the t-shirt Oh shit. Guys, guys, 50th 50th fucking episode. We're pulling out all the stops. So today <laughs> you get to see and possibly pre-order if you like the first Deathscography podcast t-shirt ever. Uh you might have seen the image floating around on 
seedier websites on the internet of uh, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy and I and our tuxedos and our prom and our prom pose. George, uh, we'll send you the image. It's very it's, funny. It's uh, so yeah, you can get the prom pose t-shirt. If you're a patron, uh, you get it for 10. Um, if, if you're not a patron, then it's 15, but, uh, that's, yeah, going up, yeah. that's going up for pre-order. We're only making as many as you guys order. So, uh, get at us. I mean, it makes sense for you to become a patron, right? You get $5 off this t-shirt. It's only $5. It's only $5 for the patron. Uh, also we got a, a bunch of brand new stickers, uh, every, so every shirt order will get one of those stickers yeah. too. Um, but yeah. All right. Enough of that shilling of a t-shirt. Yes. Uh, let's move on to what we've been listening to. Uh, yeah. This week, I want to start off because uh, I've been listening to this band called Terminal Bliss. Uh, Terminal Bliss is a, a newish band. They just put this record out through Relapse, but it's members of Majority Rule. Mm. Uh, and they are fucking incredible. It is super just aggressive, kind of fast. Not power violence, not grind, but in those worlds, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, really, really fucking good. Cool. Uh, basically, that fucking record came out of nowhere for me. I really, really have been enjoying it. I like that song to, or that that band name, Terminal yeah, Bliss. It, it's great. Um, Relapse has actually been just knocking it out of the park this year uh, with releases. They just put out the new. Um, yeah, I saw something uh, yesterday. Sore Dream. Uh, they put out that. That's like side project of members of Full of Hell. They did that God's Hate record that people are super into. They did the Portrayal of Guilt this year. Just tons of stuff. Anyways, and the other stuff thing I wanted to mention, I mentioned it on here before, but it's been heavy in my playlist this week, is a band called Soul Glow mm. uh, from Philadelphia as well. Uh, they are friends of ours, but just an absolutely incredible band. And their new EP uh, is so good i've been listening to the song the third song on that record with uh featuring wanchi from zeta it's got this just like fucking cool ass feel to it and i love it so much uh jeff what have you been listening to this week uh, i've been listening to this band called grid failure also uh from philadelphia um it's like a just a fucking gross grinding metal band uh the record i've been listening to is called In ensuring the bloodline ends here Damn, that's just a, cool a pretty fucking metal <laughs> album title. Um, that's pretty pretty heavy. But uh, and then also Lil Dicky. Uh, it's it's funny, man. He's funny, and he's got some really 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 clever lyricism. And that's I found funny. I found myself going down that rabbit hole again. And I'm always like, God damn it. Uh, but yeah, I was listening to that and. Um, me and my little girl listen to the Frozen soundtrack this week. Oh, a bunch. Fantastic. So. Nice. Yep. Uh, George, you had anything you've been listening to this week you want to talk about? I've been recording recently, so I haven't really been listening to music. But today I listened to the Hawkwind LP, Space Ritual. Oh, okay. And, Hawkwind. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I listened to the Easy Action because I had to like drive to like a pretty good drive today. Um, I listened to the Easy Action LP, Friends of Rock and Roll. which e I haven't heard, heard Easy that. Action is... Uh, a band that is all the people from Negative Approach. What? Okay. Um, and like John Brown from Negative Approach did it after he did Laughing Hyenas, I'm pretty sure, is how the, it works. Okay. Um, it's just like an album they have that came out in the 2000s. It's, it's really Interesting. sick. And, I've uh, never heard of that. Yeah, man. It's like, it's really, uh, it's like rock, like hard rock, but it's it's really aggressive and it's uh, huh. it has like a violent sound to it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds cool as shit. Nice. I'll definitely check that out. Oh yeah. Well, cool. Thanks. Um, all right. So let's now we're gonna move on to listener shit. You know what time it is. Time for some listener shit. Uh this George, this is our section where listeners just they kind of send in whatever they want. And sometimes that's questions about Death Wish. Sometimes that's questions about the band we're covering this week. Sometimes it's questions about Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It literally is whatever. <laughs> kind of whatever we just like to like to do some random stuff uh, and jeff you have some questions yeah um first and foremost from a friend of the pod marshall mullins writes in saying what's an instrument that you've always wanted to learn how to play uh, i'll go first because I, I i've i've thought on it a little bit since he sent it to me uh for me like like jangly ragtime piano just like oh, i want to I, I just want to be able to sit down at like a fucking busted ass old like upright piano and just be like <laughs> like I'm just like like hammer out bad bad Leroy Brown by Jim Croce you know like damn that would be awesome that, that's what I want to do but but whenever uh, I get whenever I get to a piano it's just like it's just chopsticks that's all I got uh the first thing that comes to mind for me is actually the cello Ooh. uh I, as a kid <laughs> In our in our uh, school, we would watch these videos that would have uh, the celloist Yo-Yo Ma come on. Oh yeah, uh, and that that is always stuck in my head. And like violin never really interested me, but there's something like it's like really deep and super pretty. Uh, and actually, uh, a producer that me and Jess Band works with knows how to play cello really well. And it definitely like made me want to go like, I want to fucking learn that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It just seems really cool to be able to do. And also like. You know, it's got this sharp spike at the end, so you could just like stab someone. I don't know. <laughs> I saw this band uh, recently called the Dead Dead South, I think, and their bass player plays a cello, but he holds it like a bass and plucks it, like he plays it oh, like wild. he plays it like a bass. But then sometimes he'll like take his his bow off of his mic stand and like play it like an actual cello too. It's crazy, insane. George, what about you? Um. I don't know. I guess I would go with like either trumpet yeah. or violin because they both have like a mournful mm, thing true. that you yeah. could do with them. So I probably would. Uh, I love My Dying Bride, so maybe I would. I would yeah. edge right. towards violin. <laughs> I thought you were. I, I, thought you were I, I fucking love Yellow Card. So uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't, I don't mind them. I almost. Oh no! I don't even Pop know. No. Violin player. No. <laughs> All right. No. Uh, uh, there's a place no. called Ocean Avenue. I was going to say, like, just anyways, I um, almost did trumpet in middle school, and, but I ended up going saxophone because mm. I couldn't do the the lip thing that you have to do to do a trumpet. Was it called embouchure yeah, or something, right? Oh, my God. Someone's going to I something like that. Yeah, I just couldn't do it right. So I could never yeah. play it. So I, I could do a saxophone, though. Anyways, I just know like Chet Baker, like got his tooth knocked Oof, out and, and it kind of like screwed oh, yeah, up his, yeah. his playing. Oh, yeah. Damn. Uh, well, thanks, Marshall, for that question. <laughs> um, our friend from Germany, Jensen? Jensen? Jensen. 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 Oh, Jensen. Jensen Otto says, which foreign country would you like to tour the most? So, George, I feel like you've been a lot of places. Uh, where is right. somewhere that you have wanted to go, but you've just never made it yet? Somewhere I wanted to like, go. Yeah, like somewhere you just really want to go tour. Or just go in general. Or just go in general, yeah. Um, 
I I went all the places. <laughs> that I like all, all of them. I've been. The last the last one was Russia. Oh yeah. Nice. Um, I guess I I played at every state except for Hawaii mm-hmm. and Alaska. So I would like yeah, to. Yeah. So you played the continentals okay, yeah. as far as as far as playing right. a show. Sure. 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 Uh, to go like on a vacation, I. Uh, mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all right. The first thing that comes up in my head is uh, Southeast Asia. Oh, uh, true. I would love to. Oh, I, oh, I'm sorry to no, cut sorry. you off. I would go to India. Ooh, India. India would be. Very I, fun. I've never been to India. That's like one of my dreams is to go there. Um, I can't believe I forgot about that. Yeah, for me, I want to go to like uh, Indonesia. I want to go to Thailand. I want to go to you mm-hmm. know Vietnam and stuff like that. Just that that whole area that would be. I think uh, they have a really good actually hardcore punk scene in those areas and stuff like that. Not some of them are a little like uh, they're kind of persecuted in not a fun way, but uh the the community there is very strong uh and something i've seen online they're big on grindcore there yes seems. absolutely I, I think i've seen a lot of information stuff about that yeah yeah, yeah we've got, the, we, uh, we have uh we have label mates called uh fuck your birthday and they're hmm. they're from uh they're based in china and it's like a crazy off the wall like grindy math thing you know but right. like it's crazy because they tour the U.S. and it's like you know house shows or whatever. But like they play over there and there's like fucking two hundred people like just k- killing each other <laughs> o- over this like this two piece grind band. It's it's awesome. Right. Yeah, what about you, it. Jeff? Though uh, I I want to go to Europe, man. I haven't been there yet. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but Italy specifically, just because I want to go. Uh, yeah, I just want to fucking see it. Ever since it's I was a kid place. and I watched the Mario Super Show, the Super Mario Super Show, <laughs> and there's this episode where they go to Venice and I and vi- like King Koopa's trying to sink Venice into the ocean, <laughs> and I fucking want to go, man. I want to get on one of those boats, those gondolas. I think yeah. if you're based in Italy off the Super Mario Brothers show, it might. <laughs> George, I don't know if it'll live, live up to your expectation. George, I don't need. <laughs> This kind of negativity. <laughs> As someone who a bunch of times um, and seen the Super Mario Brothers show, I don't think it. I'm not too sure. Uh, well, it was it was great having you on, George. Thanks for. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jensen. Thank you for 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 that. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll. Uh, I do want to tour Germany, where you're from, Jensen. Actually, like, yeah. Do you know where he's anyways, where he's from got, in Germany? Does he say he's. I'm not sure. He's told us before. It's not like it's not Berlin. I don't think. I just I don't know where where he is I from was, though. I, well, we'll find out. Jensen, tell us. I was us. born in Augsburg, <laughs> Germany. What? Oh shit! All right, All right. Jensen, are you from there? <laughs> That'd be sick. <laughs> are you brothers? Long <laughs> lost brothers. Uh, all right, I got two more. Drew Clements writes in and says, "What was the first non-hardcore band that surprised you, and you still listen to today?" I thought about this, and it's tough, man. I don't know. First non-hardcore band that surprised you? Yeah, he says like, surprised you. I don't know what that means. I mean, I was listening to way other different types of music that were not hardcore. I think, I think, I think, I, th- I think that it means though, like after you got into hardcore, uh, like what's okay. the what's the first band where you're like, oh shit, and you just like added it into hmm. your rotation, maybe. Um, I well, I was I was okay. So I really liked uh, when I, I I moved to Atlanta for college and. I was super into the hardcore scene there. And then I stumbled upon this band, this little band that ended up blowing up real big called Manchester Orchestra. Mm. Uh, and that band is fucking huge now, but they are from Atlanta. And I, I, I 
stumbled onto them just because they were like a local band and that fucking blew me away like they're i mean they're like an indie rock band but like right. holy shit they're so fucking good uh, and now i mean they're huge like that band is massive but like that was probably the band that blew me away after getting into hardcore mm. but yeah i don't know man i was still I don't, a weird question. I, I don't have an answer i i don't know after i was already into hardcore um like what's the thing that like knocked you out of hardcore for a second you were like oh shit oh man uh, so many things. Um, <laughs> I was going to say a lot. I mean, I got into hardcore when I was like 12 or 13 years old. So. Right. But, right, but right, definitely exactly. this ties in with you talking about Relapse. So Relapse had a record store in Philadelphia. What? Oh, really? And uh, yeah, because they were based out of Millersville, Pennsylvania, I think for a while. And now I think they might be based out of upper Darby, which is right outside Philadelphia, or they might even have, they might even have offices in Philadelphia. I'm not too sure. But anyway, they had a record store that was on South street in Philadelphia. And I would go there. And, and one time I was just talking to the guy and I was kind of like a little bit sick of hardcore Mm -hmm. at the time. And he was asking me stuff I liked. And I told him I liked typo negative when I was younger and he recommended bands to me and he recommended my dying bride. So stuff like that. You know, I wasn't into like death doom stuff before hard. I just, cool. actually That's i cool. just i just had a thought um when i was in college i was super into like between the buried and me kind of bands like crazy like prog metal stuff and my my roommate and bandmate at the time uh we were driving somewhere and he put on this record and i was like what is this i love it and it's a band called piebald and like i fell oh, yeah, i fucking piebald. i fucking fell in love with that band and it was so different than any it's just like a fun rock record so probably you should look it up. I think they recorded with Jim Siegel at the outpost. Oh shit. What? <laughs> Sick. I'm pretty they have a tie to that okay. to that no, area. And then, well, thanks Drew for that question. Last last but not least, uh Sarah Warrender writes in and says, "If you could only pick one for the rest of time, would you rather only listen to songs that chug or songs that go weedly 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 weedly?" <laughs> kind of fucking question god damn it sarah is weedily weedily guitar souls or could it be like an aphex twin synth hey, you style? write this story it can be whatever you want it to be george i would go twiddly twiddly yes. all day i'm going I, twiddly twiddly either way guitar solos know. or aphex twin there's yeah, just yeah. way more there's way more potential and possibility on that end absolutely uh, than the other one <laughs> So, I mean, yeah. I will say I probably listen to more Chug in my daily life, but if I'm picking one or the other, I'm right. going Weedily. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that's a that's a sentence that you just said. It is. That's, re- <laughs> that's recorded for the rest of time. Uh, thanks, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. That's All right. It. Well, let's. Uh, <laughs> um, well, let's, yeah. So let's wrap this up. Uh, we have a Patreon, guys. Like we mentioned earlier, with the shirt. Uh, five bucks a month gets you access to the Patreon. Actually, George, you might be interested in this. Uh, we this month we do we're doing themed episodes. We do two episodes a month. This month's theme is the records that got us into hip hop, respectively. Uh, I did not get into it fairly late, and I'm a little young, so my record is uh, an Eminem record, uh, the Eminem show specifically. Uh-huh. Uh, I was in middle school when I first heard it, and it like blew me away because it's the first time I ever heard anything like that. Don't worry, and- it gets worse. <laughs> It gets worse. Uh, When I was in middle school, I was uh, buying CDs at a place called Peppermint Music in the in Thomasville, Georgia, and uh, I was in there looking for Rob Zombie or whatever you know, whatever new metal thing. 
and there was this CD, there was like a whole end cap of it and it was on sale for $5 and it was the riddle box by insane clown posse. <laughs> and I bought it. I did. And I was like, I did, I had no idea that it was rap. I had no idea. It just had this crazy monster clown on the front of it. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll get that. It's five bucks. And I got home and it was like, it, you know, I put it in and it's, it's straight up rap. And I was like, I, that's not what I wanted. But then I started listening to it and I was like, this is actually really fairly intricate, like, like rap in general. It made me think about rap, whereas I'd never, ever thought about it before, really, uh, because I, you know, I grew up listening to um, 90s country with my mom and like classic rock with my dad. So like, yeah, rap and hip hop uh, were something completely removed from me. But yeah, so hear us uh, dive deep into more memories like uh, that. That, rec <laughs> that record, to... that record. I need to repeat this. That record is seventy minutes long. I <laughs> am so not into. I oh god, that's an yes. that's a lot. Uh, uh, but yeah, so five bucks a month, you get access to that. Just hear Jeff torment me by making me listen to Insane Cloud Posse. <laughs> uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about. Uh, Killing the Dream. We're coming back to Killing the Dream. Did them mm -hmm. a couple episodes ago uh, with their In Place Apart LP. Uh, I really like that seven inch we talked about a couple episodes mm -hmm. ago. So I'm actually very excited about this. Um, you could follow the podcast on all the social medias. You know, you can fi find us on Facebook at Deathscography Pod, as well as Instagram on Twitter at Deathscography. You can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Iron Raygun. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Carbomb Sermon. George, do you want to plug anything? Like, are you working on anything right now that you want to talk about for the future? You don't have to, you know, any secret projects, whatever. Um, I have a project that I put out a, about six months oh, ago yeah. called Rose Clouds, which is just me. I have another record that I'm working on right now. I don't know if I'm going to call it that or just use my real name. And then I have a band that I demoed a bunch of songs with. That's just me and the people that were in blacklisted in the end actually oh wow and i um so it's just pretty much blacklisted but i sing and play guitar in it and uh i'm going back home in a couple weeks i think yeah april april something i forget the day but to uh work on that some more so we have like six songs demoed but they're not good enough to release yet and we have about 15 or 16 songs oh yeah. so wow that's we'll that's awesome that i can't wait to hear it uh sick i'll definitely keep an eye out for it um george seriously thank you so much for coming on this was an absolute blast uh we're oh, no definitely problem. going to have you on again obviously we have a lot of blacklisted to, <laughs> to cover and you we're, you've been a great great guest we were joking earlier that uh <laughs> we were like man there's a bunch of records. We should just make George the third host of the show or like, or like the, <laughs> the pinch hitter host of the show. Like if one of us can't make it like George from George Hirsch <laughs> just sits in and he's just like, <laughs> I saw, I saw the stickers you guys made. And before I opened it, uh, I was like, wow, if Blacklist is not on here, that'd be like, <laughs> no, but, it'd be, but it would also be, it'll be also be cool to like, just dismiss it and put like, Cursed on <laughs> the or something. Well, yeah. on there. You're on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to, if anybody who hasn't seen the sticker when it was sent to me, we are on there. So don't send us um, internet hate. <laughs> what's 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 been the album that you guys on Death Wish have been the most surprised by? Or Sex or positions. Like an album that 
Sex positioned all day, yeah. man. That sex position self-titled record is fucking crazy and came out of left field entirely for me. Uh, the for me, wow. the power and the glory from that record from is Atlanta, also amazing. because like it's crazy to me that right. that band is from Atlanta. They're from my state, and like I never fucking heard of them. And like, yeah, it's one hundred percent like right up my alley. It like it fucking knocked my socks off. I was like, whoa, oh, they're not a band anymore. <laughs> They haven't. Oh, oh! None of them went on to do anything. Oh, fuck! All right. No, they're just they're just existing. I will say, George, like uh, coming into this, obviously, I had heard of a, a quite a variety of these bands, but like you know, Sex Positions, Power of the Glory, those are bands I'd never heard of, and they blew me away. But like just revisiting like things I'd already liked. Uh, I mean, revisiting You Fail Me by Converge was mm. an amazing experience. I love that record, so that was a really fun time. And honestly, coming back to this, like I had listened to this blacklisted LP before. And so like coming back to it now with like uh, a more critical ear was a really cool treat. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, right. It's been a really fun project, but all right. Well, uh, that about wraps everything up. Thank you guys for listening so much. And we will see you guys next week. 